Welcome to Tough Podcast. Welcome to our week two review, our recap, our reactions, whatever you want to call it. A wild ass week two. Sugar Free Lucas here with my boy, cooler than Joe. How you doing, Joseph? Doing better than the Rams, apparently. Well, they did win. Yeah, I had to give you a nail biter. I mean, they had to participate in nail biting weekend. You know what I'm saying? Crazy weekend. How about we uh, just jump right into it? Chargers versus Chiefs. I I recapped the Chargers versus Chiefs a little bit. I don't know if you uh, ended up getting an opportunity to go back into it. Did you get the opportunity to go watch it? Yeah, I went back and watched it. Yeah, so what, what did you think after watching that game? Honestly, like, as bad as it looks, like, and all the missed execution the Chargers had, they were still really, really close to winning that ball game. And Justin Herbert, quite frankly, ascended on Thursday night to a whole other plane of quarterback play. Yeah, that throw was ridiculous, and we'll get to that throw. But everything leading up to that, I think it was a tale of two halves. And I think that this is the perfect game to, like, kick off the weekend as far as how everyone else played during the weekend. A tale of two halves with how many blown leads there were, how many crazy comebacks there were, how many games that were just flipped on its head by halftime and by the by the second half starting. This was one of them because the Chargers in the beginning – I know that on the stat sheet, it only says one sack for Mahomes, but they got a bunch of quarterback hits on Mahomes. He definitely looked frustrated. They definitely were afraid of it early on in the game. They were trying to slow down the pass rush by a lot of runs and a lot of screen plays early on, but eventually they had to open it up by the Chargers um, opening up the game on offense, so they had to respond, and they did respond. Maybe some questionable calls there in the game as far as that offensive um Pass interference that was called a defensive pass interference that led to the first Chiefs touchdown. The maybe the Sante Samuel Jacks, uh, Sante Samuel Jr. interception that was overturned on replay. But I'm over that as a Chargers fan. Only a bunch of plays left out there for sure. Another Sante Samuel uh, interception. He had maybe two or three more that could have been picked off. And then a blown coverage by the Chargers. J.C. Jackson left one-on-one when he was expecting safety help. And a bomb, an absolute bomb by Mahomes to get it into the zone. And then the, just the play calling again on the offense for, this, uh, for the second half for the Chargers, turning conservative. But there were also major injuries among the offensive line. Corey Lindsley, the best center going down, the right tackle going down as well. And that just completely changed the game and opened things up for the Chiefs to get to Herbert. And eventually came out with that one. But my final thought with this was, you know, I think if there's any a time for a well-timed L, it's obviously early on in the season. There's a lot of lessons to be learned from this game. I think the Chargers are going to rally around Herbert, but whenever he gets back and the, and the Chargers are just going to go all out, I think, if anything, uh, somehow turn into a positive. Yeah, because you can look at this like we missed so many plays that we should have made. But conversely, you know what you need to clean up now is you just got out executed. You didn't get out coached. You didn't get out talented. Like Justin Herbert out Patrick Mahomes. And not many people were thinking that going into Arrowhead. Like, you know you are a better team now. You may have lost, but you had a few things that had it gone the other way. The Chargers are 2-0 and and looking like the best team in football, quite frankly. Or the best team that's not Buffalo, let's say. Yeah, I'm about to say Buffalo just looks insane still. But yeah, um, if there's anything to take away, it just that is it. But winners win games, you know, and the Chiefs deserve a lot of credit for st- hanging in there, staying in there. But I don't think I've ever seen 
and this is probably more of a homer me talking because I'm talking so much about the Chargers, but I haven't seen so much frustration from the Chiefs before. And I haven't seen the Chiefs react to getting hit like they were. I think that like the Derwin James tackle on Travis Kelsey and so many other uh, plays that were made defensively, like that was a pretty physical game, pretty physical game. And I think that the Chiefs, um, you know, are just fortunate for a couple of things. I mean, it just fate didn't want the Chargers to win. I mean, it, it all, almost came down to that onside kick and they almost recovered it, you know. So a couple more bounces that way or this way definitely a different outcome now it's just hopefully uh herbert can maybe get back in the chargers play the the jaguars next so it depends on how they want to handle that jaguars have a great defensive front we'll talk about that preview tomorrow but yeah anything any last words on this game how justin herbert is day-to-day with broken ribs astounds me <laughs> broken cartilage fractured cartilage so almost exact same thing to be honest it's like you probably feel worse either way where do you want to so, go? Well, let's talk about what ended up being the game of the week. Ravens, Dolphins, man. Jeez Louise. Tua was unbelievable in this game and kind of put a lot of the narratives for the time being to rest because he was four for five on deep balls. The only quarterback better on deep balls in week two was Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert was incredible. Like, Tua was just unbelievable. Lamar was unbelievable. It just it was one of those games someone had to lose, unfortunately. No, I I think um, Lamar is putting his uh, putting himself out there in the in the MVP race again. I think he got it right now. As far I think he's in the lead, and it's just unbelievable that they lost this game with the way Lamar Jackson played with the with the lead that they played with. You know, I think Miami got a few couple stops. Uh, in the second half, I think that fourth down that they went for, the Ravens did, maybe changed a couple of things too. And even though that they were down quite a lot, Miami kind of stuck around enough. And just the big playability of this team to strike it whenever they could have, beating man coverages, beating zone coverages, wherever out on the field, uh, is very, very much scary. A lot of people trying to downplay Tua's performance, which is very much just haters. Uh, I know that the receivers were wide open, but if he missed those throws, he'd, he'd get killed for it too. And um, I mean, just you are never going to see a performance like this ever again from two wide receivers, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Crazy game. I'm glad that you helped me pick this game right uh, for, for Miami. But uh, just, I, I just cannot believe Baltimore comes away with that L and uh, Lamar Jackson deserves all the money in the world, to be honest. Yeah, it was just once they figured out they could not cover Waddle and Hill, it was over yeah. for Baltimore, unfortunately, because Waddle had eight different people on coverage on him against him. Tyreek had seven, and none of them did even a decent job at slowing them down. Like, that speed plays, and Tua just had to get him the ball, and he did, to his credit. For for uh, Baltimore, I thought that uh, their secondary just seemed shot their cornerbacks were kind of hurt going into this game, but still they were there. They were there. Um, as far, and also last thought on Lamar Jackson, I think that the passing game looks a lot better than ever before. Um, a lot more plays out of the shotgun than ever before. I feel like than I remember. And uh, that connection to Bateman and Andrews is very much healthy. He got a couple of likely plays in there. Shout out to likely, but um, it looks a lot better than, uh, <laughs> than when Marquise Brown was in there too, was on the team. So, I, I mean, 
you know, addition by subtraction, the chemistry is a lot is right there. Yeah, he was really good, like on throws, especially in the intermediate. Like Lamar Jackson has really been a good passer for a few years now. I don't know why people just keep saying he's a running back. Like he was getting the ball in there quick, efficiently, on time, on target. Like that throw to Bateman, like he put it where he needed to be so he could just do the rest on that touchdown. Like that's all you really need. Yeah, it's going to go down one of the best games of the year, probably over a thousand yards of offense. Yeah. And then too, like Lamar did not have to show any big time, like athleticism, like he was in 2019, where he was basically the second coming of 04 Madden, Michael Vick. Like that touchdown run was well blocked. He saw the hole, got through it, and then turned on the Jets and was gone. You know what I mean? So that's going to show like, hey, he doesn't need that great athleticism. Sometimes you just need to execute and he'll do the rest for you. Pay the man. Yeah, facts. Do you think there's going to be a cure for this um, for this Miami offense? Is there going to be any way to figure out how to stop him maybe later on in the season? Because right now I just like I cannot think of any other way to stop him. You just have to take one of the two out. You know what I mean? If you put all your attention on one and then focus on the other and get burned by the other and then keep doing that, you have problems. You know what I mean? You kind of saw that like, okay, Hill's going off. Okay, we'll go focus on Hill. And then Waddle starts going off. So you start going to Waddle. You just have to take one of them out of the game and then just force Tua to hone in on the second and try and make force him into making a mistake hopefully that's the case i thought that watching this game that Tua's release was quick as hell i think it was like the quickest release I've, i was watching all weekend i don't know if you remember how it was but it was, just, it was just right when he got the snap and then he's just throwing the ball immediately up the seam or whatever and that 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 release time is insane i, I don't know I, I Tua looked a lot a lot better than i uh than i expected well, I think one thing about Tua we have to realize when we're looking at him is he's a lefty. Like, I saw on Twitter someone inverted the film so that he's a righty. Yeah, and I saw that. looks so much better. Nah, I yeah. think, I think, uh, I think the problem with it is just the fact that it, people see that it floats in the air for like a second too long and then the receiver kind of has to stop. But there's still separation there. I mean, if there's at the end of the day, if, if he's not being punished for it, then I'm not worried about it yet. You know, we'll see what happens, but it's going to be hard to to even to even get any uh, separation. Any any last thoughts before uh, we go on to the next game? I think that just about covered everything. All right, next game I want to talk about is the Commanders versus the Lions. The Lions, I am falling in love with this team so much. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I wrote here in my notes, he's a new age Megatron, especially for Goff. Um, he's the Debo for this team. And I'm going to make an insane comparison for DeAndre Swift right now. It's going to be sacrilegious. But Swift reminds me of watching LaDainian Tomlinson, man. Like, Wow. Yeah, I, I am. I, I don't know. Something about it is the ability to hit the hole, his elusiveness. He wears the visor, too. Like, this guy is so much fun to watch, and I just love it. You got your playmaker stepping up. You got Jeff Okuda making plays. You got Aiden Hutchinson making plays. You got Charles Harris forcing a safety. And uh, they're the only one of the only teams that like got to a hot start this weekend and kept their lead. You know, they withstood Washington trying to attempt a comeback. And I think that's pretty, uh, pretty impressive, to be honest. 
You're going to get a couple boneheaded plays from Goff every once in a while. You know, he missed someone on third and goal for a touchdown, almost throws a pick. Um, but, you know, they, they live they live with that, and that's just, you know, something that you're going to have to live with week in and week out. For the commanders, uh, I think only a few bright spots. So John Dotson and Curtis Samuel, the only few bright spots on this offense for sure. Um, Curtis Samuel is looking a lot better than Terry McLaurin in this offense so far through two weeks, which is kind of insane, especially the bag that um, that McLaurin just got. And uh, Wentz just cannot make anything happen in the pocket. Obviously that the Lions were getting back there all game and just took too many sacks taken. I think the play calling didn't really help him, but he also didn't do uh, himself any favors. I think the offense just needs to get going earlier um, in, in this game. And maybe it's a it's a different outcome. But two weeks in a row for the Lions, that they score over 30 points. Yeah, the Lions offense was just something else. You know what I mean? It's like what you said is like DeAndre Swift will get through the hole. And like you just had one play very well blocked. Swift read it perfectly and was just gone. And that's kind of the big thing is they're a well-coached team. We say this over and over and over about the Lions. That's what you need in the NFL is just a good coaching team. And the guy, like, undrafted rookie making his first start, he makes the key block on that play so that Swift can get all those extra yards. On the second level, like, Dan Campbell specifically called him out in the locker room and said, like, hey, good freaking job, man. (laughs) And the whole locker room just got excited for him. Like, it is impossible to hate this Lions team. It really is. Like, they're – Downtrodden underdogs led by a great leader, likable cast of characters. They're just a great team. They're fun to watch. I'm so happy for Detroit, finally, that they have this team that the city can get behind. Yeah, I'm happy for the team, too. I think uh, I forget the name of that lineman that um, that they were uh, praising. He's not a rookie, though. He's been on the practice squad for years and, and years out, just you know, making a couple plays here and there. That was his first start, though, um, that he had over his, I think, six-year career. But, yeah, the Lions are a fun team to watch. They're going to go play the Vikings this Sunday. And um, Vikings falling apart right before our eyes. In primetime, again, no Kirk Cousins. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Commanders, though, they've got to get off to a hot, hotter start. That's a, just, uh, I think, a good team that they lost to. All right, where do you want to go next? Let's talk about the Bengals and the Cowboys for a second because oh. the Super Bowl hangover is real. You know what I mean? Burrow did not look good. And that offensive line, like you bring in all these pieces to like protect Joe Burrow and it's not working. Like in this game, 13 pressures, six hurries, three QB hits, four sacks. Lyle Collins by himself allowed six pressures and he was supposed to be the guy that fixes this offensive line and joe burrow was a magician getting away from pressure not necessarily the case anymore because he had a 43 percent completion percentage under pressure that's where the issue is is joe burrow's not pulling a rabbit out of his hat anymore every time he's under pressure he's behaving like a normal quarterback would under pressure and all of a sudden this offense doesn't work the way it's supposed to I agree. I mean, I don't think that he was making himself uh, giving himself any favors because there were some times where he was trying just to make a play, push downfield where there's people open in the flats, the hot receiver, whatever the 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 um, uh, there's a term for it, the the bailout receiver, I guess, whatever the um, the term may be. 
but yeah, I, I agree. You know, the, the the offensive line was just assumed to be better going into this offseason. And now they're, they're cooked. But also, their defense was getting cooked by Cooper Rush. I thought Cooper Rush had a way better connection to the receivers than Dak Prescott did in week one. And, and now, you know, I think that they look better with Cooper Rush in there right now. Then and Tony Pollard again making the most out of his out of his small attempts and his, his opportunities in, the, in that uh, in that game. I just you know Michael Parsons was just demolishing the Bengals, and we said it it was only going to take him to to change the game. But also Trevon Diggs actually had a good game against Jamar Chase. I think the better team really won on Sunday. The Cowboys really did look like the better team, you know what I mean? Like, I said it was going to be hard for them to deal with Micah Parsons because TJ Watt gave him problems, and they're like a similar tier of player. It's just easier for the Cowboys to hide Parsons and deploy him, whereas you know Watt's coming at you. And Parsons had eight pressures by himself, and they just look confused and lost. Like, I don't know, this is hard. What's this guy? He's coming at me. <laughs> It was just frustrating because, like, you knew this was going to happen. You didn't game plan around it. And you need to, quite frankly, fire this offensive line coach if it's the same guy from last year because the talent is upgraded. But you're not seeing the results yet. Uh, Yeah, maybe. I don't know if the talent is upgraded. I think a lot of things, too, has to do with Joe Mixon just not getting involved early enough. And, like, a a lot of the the, – games that the Bengals won on their Super Bowl ride it had to do with Joe Mixon helping put in the, the, the lead away and um, he only had 57 yards on 19 carries and that's not that's not enough yards per carry in, in this and um, you know I, I just don't think that things are clicking right now I think Bengals will figure it out a little bit but they do feel like a 9-8 and eight team right now and I don't know if they'll be sneaking to the playoffs with the AFC being so stacked Cowboys though I think that I felt a lot better with um, with Cooper Rush in there. I think his I think his name is Noah Brown. Yeah, Noah Brown. That connection to Rush Noah Brown feels really good. Feels real. I feel like they could sneak in as the wild the last wild card team if they uh, keep this up. I think Cooper Rush got something going. Maybe I'm overreacting. I mean, like this is what the second Cooper Rush game because he did beat the Vikings last year. And he did look good pushing the ball like 10 plus yards down the field. Really struggled short, but like everything like in the intermediate and deep was great, which is kind of backwards if you think about it for most quarterbacks. Like you throw a great short, you don't throw a great long. Yeah. So maybe it's a flash in the pan. Maybe it's a sign of sustained success. (laughs) If like he gets the um, short game going, we don't know. It's one game. You just look really damn good in that one game. You never know. I do want to be behind it, though. All right, moving on. Let's, what game should I pick next? What was my game? Hmm. I got a lot of notes for this one. Why not go here? Jets versus Browns, one of the wilder endings of the weekend, an improbable ending for the Browns and the Jets. Um, first notes here, Garrett Wilson coming out game, in my opinion. Bryce Hall playing very well. Um, this is a game I wanted to see out of this offense especially after their off season, just to see things clicking. And this was, this was very, uh, very nice to see Joe Flacco turn back the clock a little bit. And I thought both quarterbacks looked pretty well and pretty standard for both of these games, for both teams, uh, Flacco and uh, Jacoby Brissett. And, and you know what? It, like with both teams are pretty even in this game. I know that the, the Browns ended up getting a lead 
very late in this game, pushing it to two scores. But before that, it was very much neck, neck and neck. And I think that's why this game ended the way it did, which is when there's two teams that are just very even, um, only a few plays separate the game. And, and just the last few plays ended up bouncing for the Jets. You know, um, few, before I get into the ending, the Browns, I'm going to put my notes out there. The Chubb just looked all around great. Brissett looked great. He had good accuracy decision-making. He, he was extending plays like Big Ben out there. He's so huge. And they ran the ball so well, especially under five minutes. All it took was a couple negative plays from the Jets to force on defense, stopping the run, uh, Kareem Hunt behind the line of scrimmage, and then they get a sack, and they force a, then they uh, force a three and out. But just what ended up happening next, a 70-yard bomb by Joe Flacco to Corey Davis. It reminded me of Flacco to a uh, Jacoby Jones in that playoff game against the Broncos. It was almost the exact same play. That's down the right sideline, a blown coverage. And then they get that off uh, onside kick. It's just, it was an improbable game and, uh, and unprobably entertaining. Yeah. Like the math on it is like something ridiculous. Like you had to score twice. You had to get an onside kick and you had to have him miss the PAT. Like all of them, like extremely yeah. unlikely in and of himself. You know what I mean? But that's kind of like shows like this is a new Jets. They're going in a new different direction. You know, like the old Jets will just fold over, probably somehow allow another touchdown to Cleveland and then just game over. But there was no quit in this team. And I'm really proud of them for that. And like Robert Sala is finally starting to come into his own, at least based on this performance. Yeah, I'm, I need uh, Robert Sala to build off games like this because I think that this will do wonders for their confidence. Hopefully that Zach Wilson gets back, then, you know, they'll pay dividends and that connection to Wilson and Wilson. I'm ready for that to happen. Um, the Browns, though, Jacoby Brissett is not a is not a two-minute drill quarterback. But when Deshaun Watson gets back, I think that there will be uh, some bells and, and around this team, to be honest, because they almost got into field goal range at the end of the game with maybe like 20 seconds left on the clock, I want to say. And, uh, and then Brissett throws a pick, a bad interception. But Watson probably gets him into field goal range, and they probably steal it from the Jets in that one. Yeah. I'm like, as much as I do not want to root for Deshaun Watson's success, they win that game with Deshaun Watson 100%. Yeah. It's just like the Browns' rushing attack is so effective. Like in the NFL of the analytics and like you got to pass the ball like a great offensive line and two running backs with two completely different skill sets is showing like, Hey, you can get it done in the NFL and it might be enough to keep them afloat in this wild AFC for when Watson comes back and they make a late push. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be something to tell. Watson did look kind of shaky during preseason, but we'll see. It's been a, quite a while since we've seen him on the field. Where are we going next? Joseph? Uh, we'll talk about the Vikings and Eagles because this game was one with a lot of intrigue and then Kirk Cousins happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said it too. You said it happened. Yeah, because we're thinking about it like, oh, this will be close and everything. And then it hit me at the end. I'm like, oh, primetime Kirk Cousins. This is a win for the Eagles. And sure enough, primetime Kirk Cousins showed up again. You know what I mean? Not to take away from anything the eagles did because what no. the eagles did was incredible you know what i mean jalen hurts he is the definition of get one percent better every day and he's been just slowly improving from high school to college to the nfl and like he is basically 
a complete quarterback at this point. Like he can throw the ball well. He can run the ball well. He is a fantastic leader, a fantastic person. You know what I mean? And like the Eagles are starting to play well around him, and it's just fun to watch. Like this offense is really, really, really fun now. Yeah, um, you can rave all about that offense, and I love the success for Jalen, but I also love the defense and that defensive line. Nothing was happening for the Vikings this whole game, and just an overall dominating performance. And I'm saying it, man. I, I'm glad that we fell in love with this team in the preseason. Because, I mean, we're seeing it manifest right before our eyes. Even Miles Sanders getting some and just the ball spread around. Like, look at this box score right now, the stats. Dallas Goddard, the leading receiver. Devontae Smith right behind them. Quez Watkins and then A.J. Brown. So this is a healthy-looking offense right now. Yeah, they were all targeted like six times each, too. So that ball was being spread beautifully by Hertz. And then looking at the defense... You can stop Justin Jefferson. I know, right? That's yeah. possible. Because, like, Darius Slay gets a lot of the credit, and as well as he should, you know, six targets, one reception allowed, two interceptions when covering Justin Jefferson. And we were high on James Bradbury. Avante Maddox had a sneaky good game, man. Like, he only allowed 27 yards against Justin Jefferson. Like, this Eagles team just can come at you in so many different ways. Like, it's two games, but how do you beat them if they keep playing like this, man? Yeah, I, I really don't see any weaknesses so far. I think just staying healthy, obviously, it's a game of attrition. The Vikings, man, just this is disappointing, especially for, for me to see, like, Dalvin Cook not do anything and the way that you get down so early and Kirk Cousins with so many dang picks and it was just so it was just so ugly from the get-go. <sighs> like, like. This is the Vikings version of the Vikings that you just did not want to see reappear again. This is something we've seen over and over again over the Kirk Cousins like career era for the Vikings. And so I don't know what the, the problem is, really. But uh, I, I feel it coming. Justin Jefferson is going to re- request a trade pretty soon. Ooh, no, I don't think that. You don't like, think that? Because the Packers had a good defense and like they went re- they played really really well against the Packers defense you but I just I mean? don't see this Vikings this this game made me realize like this Vikings team is not going to go anywhere and I think Jefferson is going to realize that pretty soon maybe not this year but I think next year something's going to happen I think like unfortunately you are stuck with Kirk Cousins you know what I mean like drafting quarterbacks is not perfect you know what I mean like, going, 2020, everyone's like Tua over Herbert, and now everyone's like Herbert over Tua. You can't get this right, and if you miss, you set your franchise back years. You're stuck with Kirk Cousins. You're just going to have to figure out how to minimize it, and quite frankly, like, you should be giving the ball to Dalvin Cook more than, what, six times Yeah. on yeah. the ground? Like, once you start just passing it and getting into the hole and you have to pass yourself to get out of it, you just are in a trap. And like, if you just ran the ball with cook, got some easy yards, you would have been fine for the most part. Cause the game wasn't completely out of reach for the most of the game. Uh, I don't know. Just, uh, I feel bad for Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, but um, I think when, when this offense and this team was at its highest peak, I think that Dalvin cook, I'm going to say it again, Dalvin cook was the, the catalyst for the offense. I have no idea. All right, I'll go to the next game. 
Uh, Titans Bills, the other Monday night game. Well, this is what my notes say for the Titans, and it's a rough one. So so far, Titans immediately getting into way too many third down and longs early on to this game. You don't really have the receiving core to to convert those third and longs. I like I like Traylon Burks though; he's nice. He has some nice early production. I didn't see enough Derrick Henry though. I felt like, um, and then there's so many mistakes though. You get you get you get cooked early on uh, by by uh, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. No one's stopping them. You're not going to stop them. And it's pretty much the end of the game right there because the Bills got anything they wanted and they just cruised to another victory, another stomping. I don't I don't know if they're that good because the Titans just are just a mess. But, um, yeah, I, think, I don't think Tannehill just cannot carry people, cannot carry, put team on his back. Two picks, one epic pick six. Uh, but Malik Willis got in there. I thought uh, – I thought he looked good for a couple of plays. You know, he had one fumble, but I thought he looked more effective than Tannehill. I know it was uh, garbage time, but I'm, I put Malik Willis question mark, Malik Willis season question mark. I mean, maybe we'll see more of him. I think like Malik Willis is just so raw that you're going to rush him and kind of ultimately ruin his development. Ah. It's like you keep putting him in like this. You know what I mean? Like, you, thank God you play in the AFC South because this would be a rough year. Like, you still have a chance at the division the way everybody yeah. in the South has been playing. You know what I mean? So, like, don't mess up your future for a little bit of short-term success with Malik Willis. But, like, for everybody that's starting and playing on this team right now, oh, God, it is rough. Yeah, it's rough this watching Derrick Henry, especially as someone who just traded for Derrick Henry in fantasy football. oh my god he just does not look the same right now like he had minus 26 rushing yards over expected he gained less yards than he should have last night and that's just not something you say about derrick henry like he looks mortal and it's and if he's gone it's gonna be a rough year for Tennessee, unfortunately, I, I don't know. I I only watched you know the hi- uh, highlights because I couldn't watch this game um, in one sitting. I don't know what it is. Like I don't know if they're not calling enough run plays early on. Um, uh, the play action, I mean, it's still kind of there, but like just the production. I don't know. I just put not enough Derrick Henry. Just not enough. You know, it's just you got to get him going, especially if you don't have the wide receivers. Like well, you got to get him going, man. Yeah, because I think the thing about like Derrick Henry is like from the little bit I was watching because it ended up being a blowout. Like I would just rather watch the Vikings Eagles game at that point. Like he just looked kind of slower, less explosive Golly. initially. But the thing with that offense and when it was working with Derrick Henry is like, you gave him the ball so much that he was fresh because he's well conditioned. You know what I mean? And the defense is gassed because it takes so much out of you to bring down that man that in the second half he just can have whatever he wants quite frankly but you were down so much like you just can't get that game plan going and if henry takes a lot longer to get started you're not necessarily playing with the lead where you can do this like you were in years past because you kind of have to throw the ball in order to um, get back into it but you end up in the same trap the vikings ended up in 
this I just can't help but think that you know for teams like this that are built like this they you just need your wide receivers you need the wide receivers AJ Brown being gone and Corey Davis being gone um just you just see them going downhill I, I know Traylon Burks was compared to AJ Brown but just he needs time to develop you know he's not gonna have that that same impact and it just makes me think like you know sometimes like I know running the ball with a guy like Derrick Henry is amazing but it is just a passing league, and that's just how it is. Just look at the Bills, man. Just look at them. And they were passing all over you, and they still ended up with more rushing yards than you, on less carries. Yeah, Josh Allen and um, Stephon Diggs are playing a completely different sport. You know what I mean? It looks like they're playing against Pop Warner kids sometimes. It's just like that. It was special. too easy for Stephon. It was too easy. It's insane. Yeah. All right, you can, you can pick the next one. All right. I think it's time to talk, bite the bullet and talk about my beloved Rams. They won, <laughs> but at what cost, man? Because I remember, like, when they got the you tweeted out, you, you tweeted, yeah, about to say I'm like, you tweeted it out. They don't have 28 to 3. This is hilarious. And then they started coming back. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> you jinxed like, it for them. You, you, like, summoned that. This team, like, as well as they played, and as well as they collapsed, like, they made mistakes, like, all throughout the game. You know what I mean? Like, that um, Stafford interception at the end of the first half. I don't know what he was looking at, quite frankly, because Higby was blanketed. Like, there was just no window that existed to get that ball in. And it's not like where some throws, like, oh, there's a tiny window I can make, and I have a receiver that's got himself. It's Tyler Higby. <laughs> he's good but he's not great yeah you know what i mean like ramsey should have had that pick six to end the first half you know what i mean the black punt was bad the cooper cup fumble was bad they yeah. could not mm-hmm. wrap up Mariota if he got out of it you know what i mean there were just little things that just kind of added up over time to where the falcons could start putting themselves in position to get back into this game and they credit to them. Like they made the plays they needed to in order to get back into this game. But the Rams just had to do like one or two things. Right. And this wasn't even the storyline we're talking about now. Yeah. I mean, almost was an epic collapse. I do give a little credit cause it was just a wild week too. And they were one of the teams that just held on to their lead. So they deserve credit for that. It was maybe just one of those games around the whole league. Um, but Marcus Mariota just uh, he is a detriment to this team because this Falcons team would be a lot better with with a guy like Kirk Cousins maybe there or 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 maybe even Tannehill Mariota is just liable for just so many so many bonehead plays and uh, I just can't help but wonder what this Atlanta team would look like if they had uh if they had um oh my god is is escaping my mind the player that got suspended for gambling um Calvin Ridley Calvin Ridley, yeah, because this offense is still nice. It's still it was still moving. Drake London is the real deal. I love Drake London. Another game where Kyle Pitts only has 19 yards, though. What is going on with that? You know, uh, I want to see him get more involved. I wonder what like what's the whole deal. I don't know if Marcus Mariota is not seeing the the field right. If Kyle Pitts is just not getting any separation, but he's huge. He should be able to just throw it up to him whenever he wants. It's just weird. But I remember last year he did get off to a slow start, and then he ended up turning it up for over 1,000 yards. So we'll, I'll give him some time. But um, this Atlanta team, like, 
you see it right here. Like they have the opportunity to really put some points on the board and score with their their playmakers, you know. Yeah, because there was one throw or one set like where he Mariota went to go throw to him, hits like just shy of the end zone, threw it high, incomplete. They have to kick the field goal, but he had Drake London in the back corner of the end zone, wide open for a touchdown, and he just missed him completely. Oh, I remember this. I remember this. On the left side? Yeah. And then, two, I think it was Kyle Pitts, the intended target on the last play of the game, and when he got mossed by Ramsey. Yeah. Like, I get Kyle Pitts is a big dude, but why are you throwing the ball like you're throwing to Nikola Jokic? You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to go up and get that. You're just asking for trouble at that point. Yeah, Mariota just... A liability, man. One of those liability quarterbacks. Because I think that Atlanta, the, I, I like the, I like what I saw out of Atlanta to come back in this one. I just, I wanted to see the comeback happen. That was disappointing. But see, yeah, but um, is Stafford, uh, this offense, are you concerned through two weeks? I think like some of the hero ball tendencies of Stafford is what you're kind of living with, and you have to learn from it. You know what I mean? Like that Higby drop on the um, sidearm pass, like that should have been caught for a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, the second pick, like, I don't give too much blame on Stafford for because that was just good defense. Like, if you look, like, the player was going in like he was going to um, be rushing the quarterback. Red Stafford perfectly dropped back and jumped the route. You know what I mean? That's just good defense. But you kind of are like, is it, when are we going to start getting going here? Like, Allen Robinson got more involved, looked really good, like, Burn Terrell on a stutter step for the first touchdown of the game, and Terrell's a really good corner. Like, he's getting more involved. Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup. Like, I can't say anything that hasn't already been said. The line looked better for the most part. Like, the offense was good. We're just waiting for, like, Stafford to kind of ascend again. And it's just, like, the Eli Manning effect. Like, he's hot and he's cold, and he's just cold right now. If he keeps doing this like halfway through the season, then we can start having a conversation about the offense. But it's going to take a little time for them to get going. Kind of a nail biter there in SoFi. I like it. All right. Where do I want to go next? Did I talk about the Broncos and the Texans yet? We have not. Uh, let's write this down. Um, I know that they won. The Broncos did, but it was still an embarrassing game. It's an embarrassing start to the Wilson era, and I'm here for it as a, as a fan of an AFC West team. Um, booed at home. Russell Wilson booed at home. And I don't know if it's also Nathaniel Hackett getting booed at home, and I think that it is because the play calling wasn't there. Um, it started coming in whenever they would fail to convert on third down. Play clock being an issue. I don't know if you heard this. Have you heard this? I didn't hear this that the crowd was chanting the play clock. They were counting down the play clock multiple times. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's at home. At home, they were counting down. You'll see videos of it. You can just look it up like five, four, three. The whole crowd, very loud. And that's embarrassing. And especially for a veteran quarterback like Russell Wilson. And I'm tired of all these other people that are giving Russell Wilson and these Broncos a little bit of credit or whatever benefit of the doubt saying that this will take care of itself this is a veteran quarterback okay this should not be happening at home nonetheless all right you're not in seattle as a visiting team no more and they had to burn so many timeouts 
they had to burn one timeout because that uh, they they decided to kick a field goal on fourth down, and they decided it so late into the play clock that they had to burn one just to get set up. They had to burn another one because on a punt return, they didn't have the returner out there on the field. They burned through so many timeouts. <laughs> And I was not, this is not even the beginning. Russell Wilson missing a wide open Javante Williams in the end zone. Uh, and I'm just waiting for a dominant game from the Broncos and Wilson to justify the hype, to justify everything that 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 we've been building this offseason. They cannot move the ball effectively. I think they look better with Wilson rolling out of the pocket instead of playing in the pocket. His pocket presence has just not been there. Just some overall weird play calling again, talking about the third down play calls. And just what the hell is going on? You you escape a Texans team that should have beat you. Okay, and they've missed a bunch of opportunities in this game. Uh, just just wow. Uh, for the Texans, my notes is very small, very short. Mills to Cooks is a really a good connection. One, I think is one of the best in the game. Um, Mills got subbed out a couple times in this game. I don't know why. And then lastly, Damian Pierce is real. I think he's uh. I think he's a, the real deal. The way he's running hard, that, that was insane. This this Broncos defense still doesn't scare me, um, but for the Texans, just no other no other uh, playmakers in this in this offense. Yeah, that's kind of what happens when you trade one of the best receivers in football for a second round pick. You know what I mean? But like Davis Mills was okay, not good, not great in this game. Like played a decent game, not a game that should have had him anywhere close to the win like they were. But like. We knew Russell Wilson couldn't throw over the middle, doesn't look over the middle. I didn't know that Russell Wilson would overlook a wide open touchdown over the middle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did you see that? Did you see that picture? Yeah, I saw that picture. Like, it was the beginning of the pandemic line to go get groceries (laughs) the way Williams was just socially distanced from everybody else in the end zone. And you miss him? Yeah. What the hell? So that's kind of if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm like, just take away the outside. He's not throwing over the middle. Like part of it you can say is the height thing. Like you maybe you can't see over your line, but I don't know. Maybe don't trade for the short quarterback then. Like maybe John Elway has a point. Tall quarterbacks is the way to go. <sighs> but it's just someone who has watched Wilson in Seattle these past couple seasons, like he didn't even look as threatening in Seattle for the most part. Like, he played good Rams teams when I watched him, but still it wasn't, like, special by any means. Yeah, Like, that playoff game in 2020 should have been the indication, like, is Russell Wilson okay? Because, like, the let Russ cook era worked for the first few weeks, and then they figured out how to stop Russ, and, like, Russ just has not cooked at all since. It has been hard to watch. Richard like, Sherman is uh, is talking so much shit subtly on Twitter. It's 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 fun to see. If you don't follow Richard Sherman, I feel like you should. Yeah, and then too, like Wilson is just not a good leader at this point. Like, no, he's not. Because on the sideline, like if you, I don't know if you saw that video, like runner pass, runner pass. Yeah, I saw that. It's what are so you doing? Cringy. It's so cringy. Oh, it. It hurts. It hurts to watch yeah. as a person, but as someone who is rooted against Russell Wilson a majority of his career, <laughs> it is so much fun. Yeah, I yeah. love to see it. And then Nathaniel Hackett, I think we should have been looking more at his time in Jacksonville 
when you didn't have Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams as to or who he is, as opposed to like, oh, I have so many great weapons, a great head coach. Maybe that's why he was such a good offensive coordinator and bringing him into Denver and not bringing anybody with any experience to yeah. kind of help you out. Like, you have to have people around you that know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, you don't put a new leader in a position with nobody around them that has that much experience. Like, you want to put everyone in a position to succeed. Like, we talked about quarterbacks, giving them a line, giving them weapons, you know, make the environment so they can succeed. You got to do the same thing with coaches. Like, you need a seasoned defensive coordinator. You need a good offensive coordinator. You need good assistance. You know, Sean McVay had Wade Phillips his first year in Los Angeles to help him out. You know what I mean? And if you have guys with zero experience, this is quite frankly what you're going to get. You overlook basically everything. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I, I'm totally on board. You've said everything that needs to be said as well. I mean, I have nothing else on this game. It's just just a troll Russell Wilson. And, you know, I'm tired of it, man. I'm tired of it. Um, this team is cooked. And I think he's going to get a receiver killed. I'm not I'm not joking. Just some of the throws that he made over the middle to, uh, I think it was, um, Court or Jerry Judy. Just uh, he's gonna get someone hurt, man. Too many hospital walls. Yeah. Where you want to head next? All right. Let's talk about the Colts. Oh, brother. We had to get this out of the way, and I think the first thing I want to say is the Colts line as good as we think it is, because I don't think it's as good as we think it is. Ooh. Because Matt Ryan was under pressure in half, and nearly half of his dropbacks on Sunday. That should not be happening if your offensive line is as, as, is as elite as they say it is. You know what I mean? 11 pressures, four hurries, five hits on Ryan, and two sacks, 17 pressures on the year. This is not what an elite offensive line should be doing and Matt Ryan has really, really struggled under pressure too. Like, it's just going to be a hard season to watch if you can't do this well. But how much is that like contributed to like the wide receivers? Just Michael Pittman goes down this game, and you're not able to, you know, get any separation from these guys. Is he just like hanging in the pockets and and too long, or is yeah. or is it really like, collapsing quick? That does play a factor in it. You know what I mean? But still, like, you got to hold up long enough or, like, Ryan, if you know that, you got to roll out and buy a little bit more time for your guys to get open. You know what I mean? But, like, it should not be this bad, especially against Jacksonville. Like, the pass rush is good, but it's not that good. You know what I mean? Well, I, th- I mean, uh, I think they're. I think, I, think uh, I would give them credit of being that good because I think that they would scare me if I'm any team lining up against them. Um, I'm just disappointed that the Colts came away with zero points in this one. That's just, that is just insane to me. Um, the Jaguars, how they look on offense, Trevor Lawrence, man, like he was kept clean for a majority of the game and like had a super, super hot start. I think it was like nine for his first nine passing when he was kept clean. He had an 88 and a half percent completion percentage really really efficient in the short game like this was like a good trevor lawrence game like there weren't as not anything transcendent you saw 
but he was taking what the defense was giving him was super efficient. And I think that's the first step in getting Trevor Lawrence where he needs to be. I know Christian Kirk got in the end zone, I think a couple times, right? Yeah, Christian Kirk had a good game. Like there you go. Clown on him money. Yeah. The receiver market looks like he's starting to be worth that kind of contract because he has a good connection with Lawrence, which is good. I mean, I love to see it because it justifies the money. Uh, Colts, though, man, with no Michael Pittman, what are you going to do? And you can't even get Jonathan Taylor, like, being Jonathan Taylor. Well, you and- only gave the ball to Taylor, what, nine times? Like, you that is the best running back in football, and you give him the ball nine times. Fantasy owners are pissed. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing I mean, else to not say much about you this can game. Say, like, <laughs> it's just going to be a rough year for the um, AFC South. Seven and ten playoff team coming in. <laughs> All right. I oh, fuck. That's gonna be that's. Ugh. I would hate that. I would hate that so much. There needs to be a rule like if there's another team that's outside of the wild card that has a better record than a division leader, then the division leader just gets bounced. Like we don't need that in the playoffs, especially with how good the AFC is too. Like yeah, some teams gonna get robbed. The Dolphins like, could be eleven and six miss the playoffs and then we get to watch just an absolute like stomping and wild card weekend i would hate that i would hate that so much all right i can't believe we didn't talk about this game yet cardinals and raiders cardinals and raiders man uh talk about a game of two halves first off the raiders just going off very early against the Cardinals. I think was it 20 to 0 by halftime? Yeah. It was some yeah, so I mean everything's going well. Everything's going fine. But all of a sudden, second half Kyler Murray and this is a a game of two weeks for Kyler Murray cuz Kyler Murray week 1 was not making magic happen like this. He wasn't escaping defenders. He wasn't getting away from the sacks and pressures. He wasn't making the right decisions and right passes downfield he had the longest two-point conversion of all time in this game i mean running like a bad little kid that just stole your phone this is exactly what you need out of kyler murray um especially without deandre and the raiders paid for it they were completely gassed by the time overtime started and you would think that it was their defense that cost them the game at the end but no it was hunter renfro with a fumble return for a touchdown going the other way and i think all of a sudden, 0-2 is just settling in, and we're seeing some very early frustration from Devontae Adams with Derek Carr. Derek Carr got a little bit rattled early on in this game. Um, he still played a solid game. I think Raider fans are overreacting, but they are pissed with Derek Carr. They're not happy, and a lot of jerseys are being burned right now. I think that's very much premature. I think the defense cost you this one, but man, oh, man, you really needed this one against the Cardinals, who were just shown out by your AFC West rivals, the Chiefs trouncing the cardinals you think that you would come in there and handle business at home the fans are celebrating popping bottles in the crowd in the stadium at home and you you lose like this it is that's a devastating one yeah especially like on that two-point conversion like i don't know at what point every defensive lineman for the raiders turned into albert hainsworth (laughs) (laughs) but like I just saw people standing there, not giving any effort, just letting Kyler run around, directing traffic, having a martini, reading a book, finding the end zone. Like, 
you have to show some kind of effort here. You know what I mean? Like, it was just brutal. Like, you know Kyler is going to do this. You know you have to get after him. And you couldn't do it. That's got to be the most frustrating part. You know what I mean? Because Renfro, yes, he fumbled. But that should, game should have never gotten close to overtime. Derek Carr, never. I'm going to go kind of the opposite way, kind of concerns me a little bit. You know what I mean? He was 0 for 3, and he's supposed to be Derek Carr's got the great deep ball. He was 0 for 3 throwing deep. The different connection to Devontae is okay. It's not what we thought it was going to be, especially after week one. Renfro was not as big of a deal as I thought he was going to be in this offense. This Raiders team might be bringing up the rear with the Broncos in the division at this point if they keep playing like this. It's just, I don't know what to say, quite frankly. I had so much expectations for this team, and they have just disappointed so far. Yeah, they really have. And just looking at the bar score now, I see what you're saying about Derek Carr and Devontae. I mean, like, just look, you, you could not get anything going in the second half. You barely had the ball in the second half and you didn't make anything happen. And and then you you left your defense out there to dry because you didn't give him no no time to rest out there against Kyler Murray and that he was running around. So uh I, I just disappointing. This guy though for the for the Cardinals, though, he's emerging uh, as a receiver that I like. Greg Dorch. I'm liking this guy, man. He uh five seven, one seventy-five pounds, but he was out there making plays, and I think that he's uh He's he's gonna be one of his t- Kyler's top uh, targets until uh, the DeAndre gets back, and I love to see someone finally stepping up for this team. The short kings will rule the NFL if the Cardinals have any say of it at this point. <laughs> exactly. All right, where are we heading next? All right, let's talk about the Patriots and the Steelers. Oh God, I don't want to talk about it either, but we have to get it done. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like this was basically like a patriot steelers game just low scoring defensive and you kind of saw oh my god tj watt if we're looking like at value yeah might actually be an mvp the way that pass rush was going because we were kind of talking about like this patriots offensive line isn't as good as it needs to be for mac jones to succeed And, like, Mac Jones was kept clean the entire game. Like, they didn't sack him once. They only got three hits on him the entire game. Like, the Bengals line last year, for as bad as it was, did not give up a sack to a T.J. Watt-list Steelers. And then, conversely, on the offense, oh, man, Trubisky is back in the worst way possible. That was a Mitch Trubisky game through and through. (laughs) I felt so bad hearing all about how bad he played, especially after how I was praising him after week one, saying that he gives his guys a shot to make plays downfield and gives a playmakers opportunity to make a play. And just, I hear all these bad things out of Trubisky. I'm like, golly, come on, dude. Like, I think you just kind of know, like Mitch Trubisky is diet Jake Cutler. Oh man. He'll have those games where that it wows you and you're like oh man Trubisky's the real deal and then he has a game like Sunday where he's like what did I see in this man because he's not going to be the starter for the rest of the year like this game has kind of shown it so they're calling for Pickett yeah let's say when do we see Kenny Pickett gotta see him soon I think I mean because you need a spark like you said the TJ Watt loss is just 
it's it's unbelievable how much he meant to he meant to this team just in general to win games not just on the defensive side you know he's just totally game-changing player and you're gonna need something else and might as well i i don't know i'm the type of guy i, I always say it put put your development quarterback in to get him some experience and he has some weapons around him you know it's gonna be a little bit more electrifying than trubisky anyway how much can you learn from trubisky anyway also you know what i'm saying i don't know might as well put him in in my opinion yeah maybe you got brian gable through osmosis but like Kenny Pickett looked good in the preseason and was making good throws. So I think by week four, we're going to see Kenny Pickett, especially if Trubisky has another bad game this Sunday or this Thursday, it's going to be hard. So week four, Pickett takes over for the rest of the season? Yeah. I can see that. What else about the, what the Patriots, man? I don't know. It's a boring game. It's a Patriots game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Very few mistakes. Mac Jones played a game manager game. Had like that great throw to Aguilar down the side that kind of has me going like all hail McCorkle again. But for the most part, like it's just solid what you come to expect from the Mac Jones Patriots. Like nothing too, too special. Bill Belichick doing Bill Belichick things. Just solid defense. Not enough. And then do enough to win the game. And I think that's how the Patriots are going to have to play this year in order to win. Yeah. Uh, too many high-powered offenses, especially in that division, though. Not going to happen all the time. All right. Um, next game. Let's go to Bucks and Saints. Another one where your grandpa probably loved it. Um, some points about the Bucks in this one. Uh, Brady frustrated with the team. Love to see I love to see Brady getting mad. But the positives for the Bucks are the defense, man. Their defense is solid it's really really good I, they're the ones that kept them in it with how many turnovers especially they had because the saints were had some drives where they were driving down the field and then just a mark ingram fumble a winston two picks one of them was a pick six um great goodly timed uh timely blitzes um just calling blitzes up at the right time to get to winston winston playing this game with four fractures in his back what the fuck is that and they said that that is a uh, that's fine because there's not more there's no more damage that they could take. That's like a reason to sit out. No, like if you have the maximum amount of injury in one spot, <laughs> I don't know, but um, the bucks take away this one. And um, for the saints, you know, it's just tough. Uh, Olave is struggling really bad so far. He's struggling to build chemistry with Winston. He fumbled a late bomb down the sideline in this one. The Saints badly need Alvin Kamara back to make some plays to open things up down the field because there were times where Winston had time to throw. He got sacked a bunch this game, but sometimes he just took too long. The receivers weren't getting separation. Couldn't find anyone open. I mean, the Saints, man, they they could they they have playmakers on this team. They, they, hopefully, they figure things out because I do want Winston to succeed in this yeah. one. Like James Winston, when he's on, is one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch, but. This is kind of why you are reminded that Tampa Bay took Tom Brady over him when they were looking for a quarterback a couple years ago because you will have games like this where it's just kind of like, what are you doing, Jameis? And it's just frustrating experience. Like, these Saints playmakers, like, they're really good. I just don't know what's going on in practice to where they don't have that connection with Winston just yet. Because Thomas to Winston looked really good against yep. the Falcons in week one. Landry has always been a solid, dependable receiver. Nothing spectacular, but will get the job done. 
Olave was super hyped in the draft, and it's just been nothing thus far. Like, Kamara needs to start stepping it up if this team is going to go anywhere, because the defense did their job. Like, they frustrated Tom Brady again. Like, Tom Brady just cannot play the Saints at all at this point. And you just kind of blew your chance, and he did enough to give him the win. Like, he figured it out for one or two plays, and that's all they really needed. Yeah, I, I hope the Saints figure it out because they just have so much potential there. And um, <laughs> last point on this game is the fight, the fight Lattimore and Evans. Um, Evans, Evans' excuse for that is just he just wanted to hit Lattimore. Evans like, oh, it's Tom Brady. What do you want me to do? What? They were just talking. They weren't even getting physical. Like, you just wanted to hit Marshawn Lattimore, which is okay. I mean, just admit it, though. I mean, it's not okay, but, you know, just admit it. You know, just just say it with your chest. Why are you being, a, why are you beating around the bush, you know? But they both got suspended. Yeah, exactly. That you got locked up the whole game and you needed to take out your anger and you found the perfect excuse. And then you, we got it like an actual fight. <laughs> Which yeah. is very rare these days. And Lattimore got suspended as well. But like Lattimore shouldn't have got suspended. He wasn't the one doing nothing. That whole that whole thing. After he got hit, he did. But like, come on, when you get hit like that, you it's fighting. You know, it's a fight. I would say I think he got shot. suspended because maybe he asked Tom about the about the mass singer or like, hey Tom, how's the <laughs> marriage? Maybe said something unflattering about Tom, didn't call him the goat. Maybe that's why he got suspended. That, that seems more likely. All right, where are we headed, brother? All right, let's talk about the Giants and the Panthers. Okay, okay. Because, oh, Baker, that was not good at all. Because the screen game kind of saved Baker's numbers, which do not look good if you just look at the box score. This looks fantastic. But if you look at non-screens, less than 40% of his passes were completed. Oh, less than 40%. 37 and a half to be exact. It was rough. I don't know what's going on with this Matt Rule office, Matt Rule era, but I think there's something like very deep going on in like the organization rise. Cause I don't, I don't think Matt Rule has been able to, to really take full control, but if he has, then he deserves to be out of there. But I remember when he first got hired, he was very much happy to work with Cam Newton. And then they traded Cam Newton away and, and all that fiasco. Like, he, the way he got hired, I remember the timeline. He gets in there. They rave about him. They say he's going to have full control. He says straight up he wants to work with Cam. And then they ship Cam out of there. If you want to work with Cam, your first-year head coach wants to work with Cam, you're going to work with Cam if that's really what you want him to do. And they didn't. And so ever since then, I've been kind of, you know, trying to track how well this this team has done under under rules. See how he's, and I just, it's gone downhill. He's not, he's hasn't been able to create uh, anything for this offense. And I don't know. I, f- I smell a regime change already. Yeah, it's gonna be like a quick change in Carolina because it's that toxic culture of like we need to win at whatever cost. Whereas if you look like a team like Buffalo, they built the culture. Then they brought everybody in, and now they're just a powerhouse. You can't win overnight, and I think Tepper needs to realize that in order to build success. One thing I will say positively for Carolina is, like, that rushing attack was good. Like, CMC, 15 attempts for 102 yards. Overall, the team, 23 for 146. Like, 
it was a good rushing attack. Like they're running the ball well again. You just can't throw the ball. How about CMC through the air? CMC through the air. I will pull that up right now. But I'm glad to say it looks like Christian McCaffrey is back for the most part. Like I know health is a concern, but the talent is still there. And that has never really been in question. CMC through the air. Four receptions for 26 yards. That's okay. (laughs) Usually he has like another 100 on there. But yeah, I mean, the Giants in another weird one, another low-scoring game. Yeah. I'll take it again. I will say one positive for the Giants is like, Andrew Thomas is looking really good now. Like, it looked like a waste pick, and now he's looking like an anchor on that line. So you may have have your tackles figured out, which is huge for a potential, like, rebuild, which is what it looks like they're going into, and getting Brian Dable, the quarterback he wants to develop here in New York. But, like, Brian Dable has proven himself to be, like, another one of those, like, good hires, good dudes. Like, they like playing for Brian Dable. All right. Well, I give him credit. 2-0. You can't be too mad at that. Daniel Jones with a QBR of 37.1. Amazing. Yay. <laughs> All right. How about uh, Seahawks and 49ers? The big news coming out of this one would be, obviously, Trey Lance going down with his injury. I feel bad for Trey Lance. The experiment, the two-game experiment. Now we're going to go two years without seeing him breaking the ankle. Um, they ran into the strength of the Seattle defense, that defensive line, but I don't blame Shanahan. I mean, so many people are on him for that play call. I'm like, this is his skill set. This is Trey Lance's skill set. You're going to try and use him to it, to his uh, ability. And so many other quarterbacks are running that play in, in this league who have the running ability. So I don't want to hear it, okay, because he did not th- – what do you expect him to think that there's going to be an injury on each play? No. Um, the first drive with Lance, they drove it pretty well with a couple QB runs, and they ended up getting uh, – I think they ended up getting a touchdown in this one. It was a field goal or a touchdown. It was a scoring drive with the exact same play calling amaz- um, uh, that, that he got hurt on. Eventually gets hurt. Things go downhill. No, they don't. Jimmy G comes in, and then he kind of makes his offense better um, just because Trey Lance was so raw that – when you get Jimmy G back in there, the offense started moving and moved a lot. Debo was amazing, but the way that the defense looks dominant and the way that Jimmy G, I realize how much Jimmy G can play in this offense. I kind of feel like this 49ers team could go right back to the NFC championship. Like they, they look that good. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like Jimmy G has been in this offense for so long that he knows it super, super well, but there has been talk and I'm kind of, See where they're coming from here that the even with the Trey Lance injury, like the bringing Jimmy G back is kind of detrimental to, to this team because they're talking about like punting it the year and then just getting another one of those dudes. Like when Jimmy G got injured a few years ago and they ended up with um, Nick Bosa out of it. So you're and saying that they should tank? Well, that's the, what people are saying is like, they should have just tanked after that, got a dude to help out Trey Lance with the defense because you're probably going back to another NFC championship game if we're being real and you're not really helping Trey Lance out that much because he's injured again. There's going to be more controversy because Jimmy G just brought him back to another deep playoff run 
And what mm. did we give up all these futures for? Gosh, Actually, they don't have that pick, come to think of it. So, yeah. Saving uh, grace. I don't know. That's that's a tough one. That made me, you make me think about that now. But, like, I feel like if you're Shanahan, you're going to take that trip to the championship because I feel like he's he's on the hot seat, to be honest, especially with this injury now and, like, the way that th- things have been going. I think you need another deep playoff run to justify being back there again. No, because, like, when you look at the 49ers when they're actually healthy, like, Shanahan does not have control over the health of his players. And I mean, when they're healthy, they make deep runs. You know what I mean? They came a few minutes away from winning a Super Bowl. They were one dropped pick away from going back to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, Shanahan is a good coach. It's just the training staff is abhorrent at this point. Let's be real here. Like, they... the team should not be getting as injured as often as this 49ers team is. Well, that Lance injury was a freak injury, to be it honest. Was. He didn't even know that he was hurt when he tried to get back up, and then he realized he was he was uh, he was down. Uh, I don't know. That's 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 a storyline we're gonna have to see throughout the throughout the season, see how well this team goes. But I think they're back in it. Like, like I, I didn't feel that way when Trey Lance was in there, but when Jimmy G's in there, like I feel like they're back in it. We'll see what how pe- how teams respond though, game plan wise. Because the, because the Seahawks have a terrible secondary, they had a rough start on offense, and they, when they got downfield, they they a halfback pass that turned into a pick, you know, like maybe that could have changed things, but like it was just a blown out game from the beginning. So it is what it is. All right, Bears Packers time. <laughs> I mean, it is your classic Bears Packers Sunday night football game. Like Aaron Rodgers did Aaron Rodgers things. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon were really good in the run game. It was the Aaron Jones game. You get one or two of those a year. Happened to be against the Bears. Sammy Watkins played really, really well. Rodgers is still struggling to find chemistry with the rookies, but they did more than enough to win this game comfortably, and it's a good get-back-on-track game for Green Bay. I don't even know what to say about this game, dude. (laughs) <laughs> to be honest i'm gonna say it's just like your classic bears packers like justin Rogers fields was... 70 yards through the air sacked for 22 yards only had 48 total yards when he dropped back a qbr is 6.7 so bad david montgomery well, was running hard though i think that's one bright spot <laughs> i was gonna say like as a justin fields believer like he was under pressure and over half his dropbacks and kind of did the most to get out of it you know what I mean? But how often are we going to say, like, oh, Fields is showing flashes. Fields is showing flashes. You know what I mean? Like, you got to put yeah. it together at some point. You know what I mean? So I just feel bad for him at this point. Like, you see the talent is there. It's just being wasted under a bad offensive line that we thought was going to be really good after what they did in the Niners game. But looking back, it's the weather. He doesn't have anybody to throw to. Like, it's just so rough for the kid. You can't help but feel bad at this point for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping something happens. But it just it just feels like, I think it's Josh Rosen's situation when he was in Arizona. Yeah. Like, well, he just didn't get a fair shake. And I feel yeah. like he's just not going to get a fair shake. And then just the NFL moves so quick and moves on so quick from quarterbacks that I just don't know if he'll ever recover from it. But the thing is, it's like, just if let's say you – get in a position to take either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud next year. 
they're still going to be playing behind the same offensive line that Fields is with the same weapons that Fields has. Oh, well, I'm not saying that the Bears are going to move on from him. I'm just saying that just overall his opportunity, a window to just prove himself is just, you know, it's 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 very much similar to Josh Rosen's to where, like, yeah. it's just going to be gone in a snap. Yeah, that's why I think, like, next year, like, this year, you know, is going to be a rough one, but next year is going to be the true, like, make-or-break year for Fields. See what happens. Week two, Sammy Watkins game. He, he didn't get the notice. Exactly. He thought it was still the preseason. Well, there you guys have it. Our week two review. Joseph came back on me. He's twenty and twelve now overall. I think he went. I think he went twelve and four last week. Uh, uh, Eleven and five. And I think he went twelve and four. Because you had yeah, you oh, went twelve. Yeah. Eight and eight. Twelve and four. I went nine and seven. So now he's in the lead. Now sixty-two percent of his games correctly. Fifty-nine percent of mine correctly come back tomorrow for our preview which i hope i haven't seen week three's uh slate of games yet but i hope it is good i know that we're gonna in for a good one though i'm ready to break down the bills and the ravens i believe that's the game yeah let's see if that's the, i'm just looking it up right now bills schedule oh no it's bills dolphins that's Ooh. what's happening I am ready for that one. Cannot wait to see the fireworks. After that, it's Bills Ravens. Oh, wow. What a tough stretch for them. I can't wait to preview week three with you tomorrow. But, Joseph, where can we find you on social media? Find me Instagram and Twitter at Cooler Than You Joe. There you go. Follow me on Twitter at Sugar Free Lucas. Make sure you follow Tough Podcast on all social medias. Links are in the description. So, for Joseph, for me, everyone here, y'all have a beautiful day, and we are out. Oh, 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 oh,